The following is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action on anything being discussed, consult your medical doctor. Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefald. Heart Health is a local call-in health show designed to educate and inform you of the most up-to-date information for not only maintaining a healthy heart, but a healthy body. Call us with your health questions at 919-860-9783. This is Heart Health Radio. I'm Dave Alexander, Dr. Franklin Weefald across the... uh the desk from me how are you i'm good i just got in from portland maine you did i love it is it's that a, a really great town. was it snowy no it was cold yeah yeah my sister has a nice house on an island in the bay Wow. and it's amazing the town is clean they're, they're building all over the place it reminds me a lot of raleigh yeah in the sense that uh it's being well taken care of a best chinese restaurant that I have been to besides the ones in Chinatown. Yeah. Oh, my God. And you know what? What? The chef is Caucasian. Is he really? And yeah. see, you know, I'm half Chinese, half yes. white. So I can understand that there is now a, you know, they call it um, yeah, this new social concept that we can learn how to be a chef from some other type of right. culture. And so they call it cultural appropriation. And I don't like that. I like it. You like I like the, the fact that there's this Caucasian guy who's learned how to be a great Chinese chef. That's good. Yeah. On the show today, a top hospital list, a list of top hospitals in the nation, includes one of our own. Or two of our own. Two, two of, of our, our own. own. Okay. Flu shots. Should you get them two times a year? Believe it or not, maybe. Uh, anti-cholesterol shot, also in the news. What do you want to start with? Well, I tell you, last was it last week or the week before where we had that grading of the hospitals at WakeMed made a C? Yeah. And, you know, I was trying to tell everybody, hold on, don't use that criteria alone right. to choose a hospital. Right. And there were other hospitals, uh, UNC, UNC Rex, that got A's. And so, yes, very good for that. Well, <laughs> IBM Watson Health. And they do a statistical analysis on, there's 988 hospitals in the U.S. who do heart surgery or some type of <clears throat> complex heart procedure. Yeah. 50 of them were named the top hospitals. And California had five. Texas had five. Mm-hmm. But North Carolina had five. So there are only three states with these top five heart hospitals. Right. And we had them. Now, this is the list, and I'm, I'm very proud of it. Because not only did North Carolina have five right. of these hospitals, but yeah. guess what city had two? I have no idea. Raleigh, North Carolina. Yeah. So we have two of the top 50 heart hospitals right here in our city. What are they? Rex yeah. and Weight Med. And I'm telling you, this is the reason. Rex got an A with all those patient safety issues, uh, staph infections, things left in, you know, the, the surgeries, and they were great. Yeah. Wake out of sea. They're working on those other issues. Apparently, it had to do with just a couple of patients. Yeah. But they've got a heck, like you, like Rex, a heck, a great yeah. heart program. And so <clears throat> we should all be very proud. And this is another reason, I, and, and full disclosure, Weight Med is my hospital. I don't go there, but I send all my patients there. Yeah. The patients that go to Rex, they get a good they get good care as well. But we're in the top fifty, and two of the top fifty are right here in our city, Rex yes. and Weight Med. Now, That's good. 
The other hospitals, we'll mention them, High Point, Wake Forest Baptist, which yeah. is a, a university medical center. Right. Uh, it, it was in the top 50. Mission Hospital in Asheville. I know a couple of cardiologists there that were at Duke with me, and they were wonderful. And then Carolinas Medical Center in Charlotte. Now, that's the big place in Charlotte. Yeah. And Carolinas now is a huge network, just like UNC is a huge network. Yeah. Now, I will say this. I trained at Duke. I am surprised that Duke is not on the list. I'll have to comb through the data. Maybe it was like 51 or 52. Yeah. Sure. But Duke's a great place. And if you have to have you know heart surgery at Duke, do not not go there because it wasn't on the top 50. It's a great place. Do not fail to go there. Yeah. If, if your doctor thinks that you can benefit by going to Duke, yeah. don't think that because it's not on the top 50 list that it's not a great place. It is. Very good. But I think I'm, I'm excited. Here's Raleigh, North Carolina with two of the top 50 hospitals. I'm surprised we don't have more. Yeah. Really honestly. Yeah. Telephone number here is 919-860-9783. This is a live show. You can call in, talk to Dr. Weefald. He doesn't diagnose on the radio, but he does give important information for you if you want to go see your doctor about it. 919-860-9783. Flu shots twice a year. It's hard enough to get people to t- get yeah. one flu shot. Here's what's the, the thing, though. What's uh, the deal? And this was in Britain. Um, they studied how effective the flu shot is. Yeah. And I don't want to say these numbers because people might get scared and they say, well, I'm not going to get it. But sometimes it's only 30% effective. Um, and that's because a year ahead of the flu yeah. um, strain, they have to guess what it is. So this year they guess it's going to be these combinations of flu and they grow them up in the eggs and then right. they create the vaccine and they jab it into you. and. Sometimes it's 60% effective, but it's never 100% effective. Now, what does that mean? It's not 100% effective in preventing you from getting the flu. But if you do have uh, the misfortune to get influenza after the flu shot, it's less severe. Okay. Okay. So this guy said, and, and I'm surprised people haven't done this before. He said, let's give a bunch of people two flu shots. Okay. We'll give them one. <laughs> And then we'll give them the other. Yeah. And it worked. Was it one of one type and one of another? No, it was the same. The year that that every year has just one type of flu shot. Yeah. Okay. And it's either the big dose for the old folks or it's the regular dose for you folks, not me, old folks. Yeah. yeah. And so I got the old folks dose and I'm going to go get another one. (laughs) Now, here's the thing. Yeah. Your insurance won't pay for the other one. Yeah. They'll pay for one. But they won't pay for the next. Now, there were no harmful things. They waited four weeks between each one, Uh and they gave them a second flu shot. Now, what that does is it boosts the immune system even more, and it went from 30 35% effective to 70% effective in terms of preventing the flu, but also those who got influenza having had the flu shot had a much less violent course. So, talk to your doctor. We'll see. Talk to your doctor about Don't Don't take my word for it. A yeah. lot of people will say I'm crazy, but this came out, Dr. Stanley Plotkin, a vaccine specialist. He's a professor at Oxford. Mark is in Walton, North Carolina on Heart Health. How are you, Mark? Okay, I'm in Watha, W-A-T-H-A. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, go ahead. What do you have? Uh, I mean, talking about, what's going on? Uh, cardiac ablation. Yeah. With uh, the doctor's uh, expertise in that. I know a lot about it. 
Uh, do you know of a doctor named Jonathan Bacchini? No, I don't. Where is where is this doctor at? He's in Duke. Okay. Well, you know, it's interesting. I trained at Duke, but a lot of new guys come and go. Um, the well, head I, of, I, had yeah. this, I had this uh, cardiac ablation in, Great. Uh, let's see, March of 2015. Okay. Yeah. They had to do it twice. That happens, unfortunately. They got to come through to you. They went through my left leg to run this kind of catheter. What, what, did they, what did they put in your leg? A catheter. And then they run tube uh, uh, yeah. wire up through there, right? Yeah. Did you have atrial fibrillation? Is that what it was? Yeah, exactly yeah. what I had. My lungs yeah. filled up with fluid. Yeah. That's, that can happen. So we've talked about it before, but atrial fibrillation is when the upper chamber of upper two chambers of the heart, instead of beating in a regular fashion with an electrical pattern, they go into this haphazard thing where the electricity is flying all over the place, and therefore the top two chambers don't contract well. Yeah. So you probably filled up with fluid because there just wasn't enough oomph and beating of your heart to keep that pressure out from the lungs filling up. And so what they did, uh, they went up your leg, and sometimes they go up both legs, and sometimes they go into arteries and veins, but they track with an electrical system through the catheter where this electricity is going wrong. And it's usually in the veins, right around the entrance of the veins, from the lungs into the left side of the heart. And sometimes they freeze them, sometimes they zap them with electricity, radio frequency waves, but what they do is they destroy the channels that allow the electricity to go haywire, and then it develops into a regular rhythm again. Now, why do they do it twice? Because there's so many channels they have to uh, get rid of with this ablation that there can be um, uh, swelling and what we call edema. And so after the procedure is done, there's no AFib, but once the swelling goes away, some of those channels can re uh, ignite, so to yeah. speak, and cause more fibrillation. Have you been doing well since the second time around? I've been doing all right. Good. Uh, some, sometimes a little bit of swelling. The doctor, uh, my local doctor, had me put on uh, uh, rosamide. Rosamide is yeah. uh, fluid. Right. What it does is it gets rid of sodium. So when sodium is, what it does is it affects the kidney, so it can't reabsorb sodium from the urine. So more sodium gets out into your urine, that actually pulls fluid out, so that's why it's called a water pill. But it'll keep you from getting too much fluid built up, which can then wind up in your lungs if your heart's not strong. But I guess, you know, it sounds like they did a great thing. They made your heart stronger by getting the electricity back in a regular rhythm to allow the best amount of blood flow, kept most of the fluid out of your lungs, and now they've got you on something to get rid of some extra sodium and some extra fluid, Lasix or ferrosamide. All right, I got one more question. Sure. I know you got, I don't, I don't want to take up the program. No, we love You're talking fine, to you. You're fine, Mark. You're fine. You're fine. What's up? They, they put you on the uh, Sunapril, and metaprolol, one's an ACE inhibitor and the other right. is a beta blocker. Right. So an ACE inhibitor inhibits uh, angiotensin converting enzyme. Now, what does that mean? There are certain uh, enzymes that produce these hormones or proteins 
or chemicals that constrict our arteries and cause high blood pressure. So lisinopril is one of the most famous and longstanding angiotensin-converting enzyme inhibitors. So basically what it does is it lowers blood pressure by relaxing your arteries because they don't have this constricting factor. And not only does it help lower your blood pressure, but it makes your heart pump stronger. So it's a great medicine, sounds like, for what you have. Metoprolol is a beta blocker. So betas are these little receptors on your heart. And when they're stimulated by adrenaline or epinephrine, you know, that fight or flight when we get real excited, they will cause the heart to pound and beat too fast. So we now know that if you give a beta blocker, not only does it control your blood pressure, it prevents the fibrillation because it prevents the heart from reacting to adrenaline, but it also keeps the heart strong so it doesn't get beat up by too much stress. So it sounds like you're on some great meds. Mark, let me tell you something. I have, uh, you know, heart conditions. I have a couple of stints in, and they put me on those exact medicines, yeah. and, uh, you know, we, I, I have no ill effects from them. Yeah, they're great. They're, they're great. Good. All right, Mark. Well, my, my brother had to have stints put in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I believe you, you, didn't, you never did smoke, did you? Never get what? Did you smoke? No, I never smoked. Whoever smokes, geez. Never. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I didn't. Did your brother smoke? Did you, did you smoke? How, how, how many hot dogs did you eat? How many heart valves? Hot dogs. Hot dogs. Oh, a lot of hot dogs. A lot of hot dogs. I yeah, ate no it, Mark. Let me just tell you, we'll talk about this later in the program. I ate the American diet, okay? Carbohydrates were 90% of my personal food pyramid, okay? And not anymore. So, all right. Take care of yourself, Mark. Thanks for calling. Be, Enjoyed right, it. Be in God. touch. Be in touch with us. Call us in a few weeks if you have anything else that's going on. Tell your neighbors about us. Telephone number is 919-860-9783. We're going to talk about fake news. A young, pretty Instagram star has suggested sunning for your health. It's where the sun don't shine. Sunning a particular area. <laughs> also, C-sections blamed on, well, obesity. Let's just put it that way. And that's probably the increase in C-sections blamed on obesity. All that coming up next on Heart Health Radio, on News Radio 680 WPTF. You're a fraud, you're a fake, and you are lying through your teeth. You're irrelevant, malevolent, and weak. You're fake. This is the radio show where you can get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation. Or as we like to call it, fake news. And what's on the fake news calendar today? Okay, so we used to talk about a certain part of the body was where, quote-unquote, the sun don't shine. Yes. Correct? So yeah, you all yeah. know what I'm talking about. So now they have these people called Instagram influencers. <laughs> these are really attractive young women. Most of them. They're okay. some attractive young men who are scantily clad. <laughs> okay. okay. And therefore, they attract a lot of people to watch. Right. And so now this young woman, her name is Instagram Influencer Megan. Okay. Okay, that's her name. And what she claims will improve your overall health and help you sleep better is what she calls perineum sunning. Okay. Where's the where's the perineum? The perineum is that that little patch between the vagina 
and the anus. But it's also to sun your anus, I guess. And yeah. it's apparently taken off. And there are all these people now. If oh, you sure. go to beaches in California, oh my. well, their butts are in the air. And they are sitting there getting a getting bun burn. No. Okay? No. So I will tell you this. There is no scientific evidence <laughs> that perineum sunning or butt sunning is going to make you healthy. Yes. Uh, I would very much warn people, if they haven't done this before, yes, yes. you can get bun burn. You can get sunburn. Yeah. And there is a place where you do not want to get sunburn. You can't walk. Right. Right. So before you go off on this new Instagram influencer trend, I will say this. There is no scientific evidence that pointing your bum to the sun is going to make you healthy. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to remind you that before you change your health regimen because of something you hear on Heart Health, check with your doctor and or your homeowners association (laughs) and your neighbors, you know, who will be greatly affected by you should see the pictures. No, I'm not going to go see, see the them. pictures. No, 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 no. I'm not. It's unbelievable. All right. There was a doctor who I have to admit, I think he just, he was blowing his mouth off. Are you I, crazy? He's, he's telling people that there's a reason for the increase yeah. in C-sections. Has there been an increase well, we've in got C-sections? Now, yeah, from 12% of all live births in the world mm-hmm. being from C-sections, which is... In case you don't know, it's when they put you in general surgery, they open up your your abdomen uh-huh. and take the baby out by opening up the uterus. And there's a lot of them. It's gone from 12% now to about 21%. And okay. there's a lot of reasons. Uh, some obstetricians would say it's the medical legal issues. Others would say that it has to do with infertility and the infertility, people having more babies at one time. Okay. Well, here's a guy. His name is Dr. Grazia, and he was on the BBC radio show in Scotland. So they asked him. They said, what is the reason? And he said, fat vaginas. Okay. So I have no clue where he came up for this. There is absolutely (laughs) no evidence. That obesity in the vagina is the cause of increased C-sections. He claims to say that the fat down there prevents the baby's head from getting through. Now, the reason why childbirth is so painful is because the tissues have to stretch. They have to be pulled. Uh But the, the ones that are hard to stretch are not the fat cells. Okay? They just aren't. So if you are pregnant and you're worried about having a C-section, please do not go on a diet so your vagina is not fat. Well, that's not when you're supposed to go on a diet. Right. And I can tell you right now, this is the craziest thing. It's all over Facebook. Yeah. Stop and ask yourself, why are they saying these crazy things? Yeah. I don't know. Well, because people, uh, honestly, if you went... And talked about something that is both rational and correct on the internet, people would ignore you. Absolutely. You've got to come up with something really well, weird. And you know what else I think it is? It's, it's the Twitter sphere yeah. getting as many likes as you can. And so a lot of these you know, po- political guys will say something absolutely insane yeah. about some other candidate. And they say, but I got 50,000 likes on Twitter. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, and, and it's just getting to the point where you can't believe a thing. 
You can believe anything, by the way, on the Internet that you see on hearthealthradio.com. A direct link to this show is there, or will be, as soon as we finish the show, and on and all the other shows. And sometimes, last week, for instance, and we'll do it this week, I link the articles. So suppose you did want to check in on that Instagram star. I will link the actual link so that you can go, but I'm not going with you. How much you want to bet the number one accessed link is yeah. on perineum sunning? Yes. Yeah. Don't Google it. Don't Google it at work. <laughs> you get in trouble. Yeah. HeartHealthRadio.com is our website. You can listen to this radio show on Apple Podcasts or go to the WPTF.com webpage and click Podcasts. This is something else that I thought was fake news, but apparently it's not. Xanax has been found in the blood supply? Yes. Why? It's amazing. If someone had told me this, uh, I would have said fake news. But it was done. The studies were done by the people who collect the blood. And they decided to see how much of our blood has Xanax in it. Now, for those of you who don't know, and I get that's probably 1% of our audience. Right, right. Xanax is also called alprazolam. It's a benzodiazepine. It sure is. is. A, yeah, yeah, it's great for people who have acute anxiety. If you've had some really bad emotional stressors in very small doses, mm-hmm. it's really good. There are people who need to have Xanax more frequently. But unfortunately, there are a lot of abusers. And I, look, I mean, how do they stay awake? They take five milligrams of Xanax, and the normal dose is 0.25 milligrams of Xanax. But these abusers will just take Xanax out the wazoo. Now, it's probably because there are so many people on Xanax in this country, 70% of donated blood has Xanax in it. Wow. Now, there may be a skewed situation that people are donating blood because they're getting paid for it, Uh because they need the money to buy Xanax. Okay. But I don't know. There have been no tests to see whether it adversely affects anyone. It's not enough to bother the patient, is it? No, but it just goes to show you how little we know about drug use in this country. Yeah. They also found coffee Yeah, to a significant amount in the blood. No, no. Coffee. Coffee's good for you. Help you wake up after the uh, operation if you get a blood transfusion. Yeah. All right. Our telephone number is 919-860-9783. Also, please do not take Xanax Xanax up the wazoo. That's all I'm telling you. Right. We're back in just a moment. Now back to Heart Health with Dr. Franklin Weefold on AM680 WPTF. And as an added benefit, I can almost completely guarantee that everything we're going to talk about in the next half hour of this show is above the waist. Yes. I'm just saying, if you yes. were, right. 919-860-9783. I'm Dave Alexander. He is Dr. Franklin Weefold, a cardiologist and internal medicine specialist. And we have talked before about low-carb diets. Yeah, we, I'm on one. Yeah. Low-carb diets, basically, what are you talking about? Not the good carbs. Okay, so what are good carbs? Uh, broccoli. Okay. Cauliflower. Those are what we call complex carbohydrates. They produce... They, when they're digested, you get fiber, you get vitamins, nutrients, but the, the ingredients or what makes up a cauliflower is not broken down into a simple sugar. So what are the bad carbs? The bad carbs are products made out of white flour, 
made out of sugar, made out of white potatoes and white rice. The reason is that when they get into your system, your digestive tract, the bacteria and your own enzymes break these compounds down into a sugar molecule. So a slice of white bread is equivalent to eating five teaspoons of sugar. Now, it's it's not that hard to imagine that eating all that sugar would be bad for you. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to imagine that if you're eating a huge pot of pasta, you're eating 26 teaspoons of sugar. And that's what you're doing. So what does this mean for the body? Atkins right. diet. Okay? okay. That is a high fat, high protein, high complex carbohydrate, but no simple carbohydrates. Yeah. So you cut out Pringles, you cut out white bread, you cut out buns, you cut out pasta, you cut out french fries, you cut out pizza because pizza's got the crust. It's very hard to cut them out completely. So that's why I say it's a no-no diet, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, maybe a little bit every now and then. Yeah. But it helps your body in especially your immune system. And how does it do that? Well, by having less sugar floating around in your body, your inflammatory proteins that are hyperreactive and overdriving the immune system and not allowing the good immune cells. It's a very complex situation. There are good immune cells, bad immune cells. There are good uh, inflammatory proteins. There are some that are hijacked, for yeah. example, by the flu virus. Yeah. So the flu virus itself, it, what it does to your tissues is not so bad. The problem is that it activates your immune system. It goes into hyperdrive, and that's why your lungs fill up with fluid because there's too many inflammatory protein. So they did a study. This guy at Yale. It's it's Yale, so it's got to be good, right? Okay, sure. If it had been yeah, Harvard or Princeton, whatever. it might have been better. Yeah. But he showed high-fat diets and low simple-carbohydrate diets, you have a more balanced immune system. Right. And if you get a viral infection, you don't have as much overdrive so that the amount of inflammation is consistent with what your body needs to fight off the virus itself. So low-carbohydrate, low-simple-carbohydrate diets are clearly better for you in terms of your immune health. And there's so much evidence that they're better for you in terms of cardiovascular health, And if you look at, for example, the Native Americans, if you look at the Sioux Indian tribe, healthy people, and they survived on the Atkins diet or the no-no diet for thousands of years. And when they were so poorly treated by our country and put into reservations and started eating high-carbohydrate, high-simple-carbohydrate diets, they're obese, and they have type 2 diabetes. It is a tragedy. But the point I'm trying to make is that it's it just, think about it. When we were in the developing era of humanity, thousands and thousands of years ago, we couldn't walk into 7-Eleven and pop a Coke yep. and, and have a can of Pringles. There were no nabs, even in North Carolina? No nabs. Okay. And, right. you know, I'm going to tell you something. Yeah. Do I eat this stuff? Sure. Yes. Yeah. I'm thin. Well, Good I got you. a little bit of a No, belly. no, no. You're, there yes, are, you're no. I should not do it because it is not right for your bodies to eat these things. So I'm trying to cut back. Right. But I, I, look, potatoes, mom's potato salad. Yeah. Uh, f- uh, potato chips with uh, onion dip. Mm. A Whopper. Now, yeah. eat the Whopper. 
But yeah. throw away the bun. Yeah. Okay. It's very hard. But it works. And so I can't tell you the number of people who've lost weight in my practice when I give them the simple no-no list. Yes. And they say, I didn't realize these are the things that were bad for me. They always, when I talk about diets, you know what the first thing they say is? What's that? I gave up pork. Yeah. As though pork is your enemy. Eat as much pork as you want. Okay. Just don't eat white flour. Right. And it's so counterintuitive to what everybody's been taught over the last 50 years about health. And I want you to know, it's white flour, sugar, white potatoes, and white rice that do you in, not a pork chop. Talk to me about meat and steak and yeah, hamburgers. It's good stuff. It's not It's not a bad thing. It's not. I mean... But they've got so much fat in them, fat doctor. Fat is not bad for you. I'm, I'm telling you. Now, there may be some evidence that something called trans fat. Okay, what is trans fat? Mm -hmm. That is the fats that are taken and processed and turned to a different chemical compound. There may be some evidence of that. But you want to have that piece of fat on your steak? Yeah. Eat it. Fat doesn't make you fat. Fat doesn't make you sick unless you eat huge quantities and then get gastrointestinal intestinal distress okay. like my dog my dog ate my t-bone the other day yeah and yeah. so you know you just i turned away and he grabbed he's huge he's 180 pounds and he <laughs> grabbed my t-bone and ran <laughs> off with it and by the time i got there it was devoured so i get a call the next morning from the dog walker that he's having the runs if you yeah, know what i mean sure it's just too much fat at one time that sure is an illness but there's never been any evidence Okay, that fat consumption will kill you. It's just none. Okay. Now, no. all these these um, studies that have shown an association between fat consumption and bad health right. never took into account how many simple carbohydrates those people were eating at the same time. Right. And they tend to go together. Sure they do. But, uh, steak and potato. Right. Steak and french fries or, or pork chops or fried chicken that are battered. So, is a pork chop good for you? Yeah, as long yeah. as you doesn't coat it with a, a white flour batter. The white flour batter is what's right. bad for you. Right. Not the pork chop. Okay. There's been a breakthrough in cancer diagnosis, and it's too good to be true, but you think it might be true. Th this reminds me that there is a machine now that will diagnose 13 different cancers from a drop of blood. It reminds me of Theranos. Theranos. Which is a, a company, very attractive CEO. She started the company when she was 19, pretended, really, you really got to say pretended, yeah. that she could take one drop of blood and, and diagnose a million different things. Right. This is real. You think this I is think real. real? Okay. Here's the problem with Theranos. What they wanted to do was take your average common blood test, potassium, sodium, yeah. sugar, yep. white blood cell count, and get it from a drop of blood. Now, the whole concept was that I don't want a needle. You know, this girl, and I'm going to call her a girl because she was 19 years old when she started this stuff, and she was afraid of getting um, a blood draw. So mm. she figured, you know, have you ever had a, you've had a finger stick? Yes. What's worse, a finger stick or getting a blood draw? I hate the blood draw. Really? I do. <sighs> I can't stand a finger stick. Really? It just drives me nuts. I'd much rather have. Anyway. Yeah. So she 
claim to have had this machine that would do all these tests from a drop of blood. Now, uh-huh. here's the problem, is that when you, that drop of blood comes out, it's not blood anymore because it's absorbed some of the fluid from the skin cells. That's okay. It dilutes it a little bit. But in order to run all these tests, you have to have a certain amount of blood so that you can cross-check it and make sure you've got all the right mm-hmm. amounts and yeah. stuff like that. Well, what she wanted was to be able to say, I'll take a drop of blood and tell you if you have cancer. Mm -hmm. And everybody laughed and howled and stuff. But here's the problem, lady. That's what you should have been doing entirely instead of saying you're going to replace the sodium and potassium test. These guys from Japan, Toshiba, there is something called microRNAs. Now, I was a molecular biologist at Duke. I've got papers in scientific journals. I know wow. a lot about this. Me too. Micro, oh, yeah. Micro okay. R, R, listen, we all have different shticks, you yeah. know? Okay, but microRNAs are apparently these, these, these chemicals that are like DNA, but they are produced by the DNA of cancer cells, and they're unique. Yeah. And apparently, they're excreted into the bloodstream so that they'll swim over to another cancer cell, and it's like a communication. The interesting thing is they're unique to each type of cancer. So they've already diag- uh, not diagnosed, they figured out 13 of these cancers and their specific microRNAs, and they can detect each one from a drop of blood. Is it so, on the market yet? Not yet. But okay. I'm telling you, if you read this article, and you know that we talk a lot about fake news, yeah. you can't go out yet and get your cancer test. But I'm telling you, it's coming. Yeah. And let me tell you, that they've already got gastric, esophageal, lung, liver, biliary tract, which is the gallbladder tract, mm-hmm. pancreatic cancer, colon cancer, ovarian cancer. I mean, you name it, breast cancer. These yeah. micro RNAs that are unique and excreted by the cancers. And so if this pans out, and of course they announce it, they're filing for patents, yeah. they've got studies already. But in order to hang your hat on this, they're going to have to do a lot more studying. They're going to have to you know, screen patients and get a percentage of, ac- of accuracy. Right. But scientifically, in, in my knowledge as a molecular mm-hmm. biology um, researcher, this makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a really exciting thing. All right. Telephone number is 919-860-9783. We love it when you call. You don't have to even have a medical condition. Ask about anything you've heard about on the radio show. 919-860-9783. If you do have something you don't want to talk about on the air, just pretend it's for your friend. That's what I do. 919-860-9783. Listen to Heart Health Radio on Apple Podcasts or at WPTF.com. You know you make me wanna shout, kick my heels up and shout, throw my hands up and shout, throw my head back and shout. Come on now, don't This is Heart Health. Jane and Michelle, hold on. They're waiting in the uh, outer office to talk to Dr. Weefald. We'll get you on in just a moment, but we've got a shout out today. Yeah, Belinda O'Neill, she usually listens every time. Belinda O'Neill has, in my heart, a special place, and this is why. Why? Oh, Belinda, this song's for you. Step by your friend. 
so, so what's Tammy Wynette. Well, so let me tell you about Belinda. Belinda has a heart that is the equivalent of a gold nugget. She yeah. had her own health problems, and I've seen her a long time. But her husband had a stroke, and they had just been married a while. He had been a truck driver, and they drove all over the country. Yeah. And she put aside her life to be his full-time caregiver. Yes. And um, Mr. O'Neill was my patient as well, and Belinda wound up getting bypass surgery and stents. She's just had orthopedic surgery. I've never heard her complain about her own situation, and I've never seen anybody love somebody as much as she loved her husband. So, Belinda, if you're out there, it's a permanent daily shout-out for you because you are a wonderful human being. And she listens to the show every week, which makes her a someone. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Telephone number is 919-860-9783. Jane called it. Hi, Jane. What's going on? Well, good afternoon. Hey. Afternoon. I, ne- I never call in to radio shows, but there are two things I find very unique, and I think it's funny, the conversation you're having prior about... Um, People's privates being canned. Yes. Yeah, and I'm not going to go there because I guess if you can't explain to your doctor you're going to do that or to your mother, then you just might not want to do it. Yeah. But apparently it's called some word other than the word you referenced. My husband brought it up last week. I don't know why he said the word. Yes. But he brought it up in a, just a funny conversation. I'm 50-some years old. I've never heard of it in my life. I think that it's very good for the radio program that you not tell me the word that your husband told you it was. I have no intention of it. Yeah, okay, looked, thank you. Bless you. Yes. Yeah, I looked it up in the dictionary, and it's actually in the dictionary. No, oh my gosh. However, the reason I actually called the question I have um, is around how foods are processed now and if that makes a big difference. And the reason I say that, we just buried uh, my mother in the last month. She would have been 90 wow. in the 1st of December. She had 11 children, albeit she buried three. Wow. But uh, my mother was not the epitome of health. We ate every casserole, every meat and potatoes. I mean, it was just that your typical Midwestern diet. Sure. Uh, mo- most of us that are living are in fairly good health. Um, some a little overweight, some not. But I'm telling you, um, my mother just happened to pass from uh, kidney failure. Uh, but I think it's got to be in moderation, uh, genetics. And then my question really is, aren't things processed differently than they were 40 and 50 years ago? Food. Yes. Is it processed differently today? My answer is yes. And yeah. I've studied a I little think bit. So. Uh, first of all, what a wonderful story you yes. told us about your family. Uh, it's it's not uncommon where I practice in Smithfield to hear of families like yours. And it is, you know, just so heartwarming to realize that people had big families. They loved each other. They, they cared for each other. And they ate country cooking. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. So I love it. Past, I've eaten nothing. Uh, for the first two weeks after she passed, I ate nothing but anything that had ate everything that had the name casserole on it. <laughs> I love them. Hey, here's the thing. I mean, here's now, the thing. Now, that didn't work too well for the yeah. putting on the clothes, but I went back to kind of a normal diet now. But yeah. there's something health, health and warmth about that. But I also think that 
the potato salad I ate at a family get-together where there were hundreds of people there mm-hmm. are, is probably put together with different ingredients than it was back in the day. Yeah, and I think there's, there's an issue there is how you prepare it and how you deal with it. But I think one of the things that I, I, I really want people to know when I talk about the no-no diet and keeping away from sugar and flour, there is something much more uh, important that came out in your family story, and I think that is your genetic background. If you People come to me all the time and say, what's the real secret to living a long life into your 90s and your 100s? Well, Winston Sur- Churchill said surgery, okay? <laughs> but in <laughs> no. my mind, it's picking the right parents. And if you look at all these people who live, like your mom, into, you know, a nice, what we call ripe old age, and then she died of kidney, well, she had kidney failure, you say, but that's to be expected when you get old. If you look at these 115-year-old people and these 100-year-old people that are in the news, they smoke, they drink, they eat Pringles, and (laughs) they have a resistant body. They they resist damage. So... Um, I, I think that you've got a very good chance of living to your 90, despite what you've eaten. Um, the problem is we can't yet predict who is immune to the simple carbs uh, hurting them and who is not. So we basically say try to cut back and try not to be obese. But number one, try to pick the right parents. And by that I mean yeah. hopefully you come from a family where your mother and father lived into their 90s because that means you have a better chance of it. Yeah. Yeah, Gene, if you want to try the no-no diet, I've got an article that's going to be on hearthealthradio.com probably by tomorrow. Uh, The the point of the no-no diet and casseroles and potatoes is not that they're processed differently. It has to do with the fact that they contain potatoes and noodles and rice. Right. Things that are on the no-no And, you know, when, when I talk about these things, um, I'm not saying never, and I'm not saying that I do it. But what I'm saying is if you're obese, if you have type 2 diabetes or you are in mm-hmm. the beginnings of it, the way you can treat yourself is with, you know, cutting back on simple carbohydrates because your yeah, body yeah, obviously yeah. is not tuned for it. Now, if you're thin and you grew up on mama's baked potatoes and mm-hmm. and and you grew up on uh, what is that they love uh let me think corn what's that corn things those little uh ah corn dogs yeah but they're corn like chips. corn dogs yeah. but you get them with your your uh your your barbecue Co- Hush puppies. Hush puppies. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yes. If you're thin and you ate those hush puppies, and you know, then and your mother lived till your till she's ninety, yeah. um, and your dad lived to hundred, then I would be less worried about what you put in your mouth because, right. and you don't have diabetes. Like, so let me give you an example. My mom lived to ninety five, yeah. ninety two. My dad to ninety four. Um, I don't have diabetes. Mm-hmm. Um, I eat a lot of ice cream, and I love my hot dogs, and my sugars are normal. Yeah. I'm just now getting the t- this tire around my waist, you know, what do they call it, the spare tire. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm not going to worry too much. Now, I do have a cholesterol blockage, and I am on a cholesterol medication, so I should cut back. But I'm not trying to get people out there to be really scared. Jane, I want to get Michelle on the air. If you don't mind, we're going to move on. Yeah, I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jane. Michelle from Cary, welcome to Heart Health Radio. Got about two minutes. What's up? Hi there. Thank you so much for taking my call. You're sure. Um, I am calling just to ask, my husband um, has been diagnosed with, a, with high cholesterol, and um, we found that in our um, 
14 and 17 year old um, boys as well that they also have high cholesterol. They're very fit, very active, very much in shape. However, um, you know, we've been doing low carb diet. Yeah. Um, but the 17 year old is particularly very concerned and worried and he's so active, but he's now, um, trying the vegan diet. He's heard that it, um, that it does well. And I'm just concerned in the amount of protein that he's getting. Um, and because he does play football, right. sure. um, that what that's going to do, um, affect him. And I don't know, just would like to hear your input on that. Okay. The I vegan think, diet. I, let me just tell you the vegan diet, it can be very good for you. Um, you don't necessarily have to have meat uh, to have protein, but I would definitely, and it's it's too complex to say on the air, I, I endorse the vegan diet for, for individuals, mainly because it makes them feel better about what they're doing for their health. Don't worry too much about her high cholesterol. Right. It will be an addressed issue later, but if you're going to have her on the vegan diet, look up the exact things you need to eat to get enough protein, not just tofu, uh, garbanzo beans. The key thing with vegan diets is not enough protein. So I endorse it if she's going to get enough protein. This is Heart Health on the Heart Health Radio Network. Thank you, Michelle. The proceeding was meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action on what was just discussed, consult your medical doctor.